Well, welcome to Elements. Again, my name is Brian. If you missed the, uh, the, uh, the front end, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, Jack is home uh, sick with a fever, so please pray for him as he gets uh, healthy. He's that wonderful flu. Um, so we've been in a series called um, Jesus and... And so we've been, last week we talked about love, and uh, it was Valentine's Day, and some of you guys weren't here, you were out with your uh, significant other uh, trying to uh, prevent, no, no, you weren't preventing anything. All right, so um, you're having a good time, but we are talking tonight about, about prayer. And prayer is one of those things that um, has uh, a vastness to it, a, a smallness to it, and so we're going to try to attack prayer tonight with um, with the best that I know how. Okay, you with me? All right. There's a book of legends that kind of contains the teachings of the rabbis of Israel. There's many stories and collections in this book. I have no idea what that is. That was not planned. It was kind of good, though. Dramatic effect. That's sweet. Done. Prayer, the incense going up. Actually, you can just stay there and do that for the rest of the time. That'd be awesome. No. That was actually good. That was actually perfect. I like it. So there's this book, and it's, uh, this book is called The Book of Legends. And, and literally, it, it chronologues the, the legends of the rabbis of, of time. And uh, the one of the legends in this book, and you have, may, have, may have heard of this guy, is Honi, the legend of Honi the Circle Maker. Miracles were a distant memory, and it seemed like God was nowhere to be heard. All the Jewish prophets were dead at this time. And he dared people to listen to God. His name was Honey. Even if the people couldn't hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. He was famous for his ability to pray for rain. And so they were in a huge drought. It was the, one of the worst droughts recorded in, in, in Israel's time. And so what he did was he took his big staff and he spun around like a, like a compass and made a big circle in the dirt. And he said, I call on the prophet of Elijah who called down from heaven. Honey called down rain. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before you your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. The words sent shudders down people's spine that were listening. Then it happened. As the prayer ascended up, the raindrops descended down and the earth began to have water. The people rejoiced at each raindrop, but Honey wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle. He filled his, filled his voice over the sounds of the celebration. Not such rain have I prayed, but the rain I have prayed to fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. The sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour. The people were so, there was so much water that the people ran to the temple. And Honey wasn't satisfied. He said, not for such rain I have prayed, but the rain of thy favor, thy blessing, and thy graciousness. 
The downpour turned into a perfectly proportioned sun shower. Each raindrop, tangible token of God's grace. Honey was almost excommunicated for that prayer. Because the Sanhedrin of the time, the leaders of the religious part, the Sanhedrin said, Honey, that's too bold of a prayer. Listen, God is not offended by our bold prayers. He is offended by anything less. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. So tonight, we're going to dig into Jesus and prayer. Eventually, Honey was honored for the prayer that saved his generation. It was deemed one of the most significant prayers in Israel's history that saved them. The circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol. And the legend of Honey, the circle maker, stands today as a testament to the power of a single prayer. If you have your Bible or your electronic device that looks up stuff, look at Luke chapter 11. You guys are so quiet. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, in verse 1, chapter 11. It said, One day Jesus was praying in this certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to lead. Is that what it says? Well, let me try it. Let me try it again. When it was finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to preach. Does that, is that what it says? No. Does it say, teach us to start a 501c3 nonprofit? Does it say, teach us to write worship music? Does it say, teach us to write a blog post? Does it say, teach us to what? Pray. Interesting that the disciples asked specifically for this. Teach us how to pray. Let's continue. I'll read it right this time. One day Jesus was praying in a certain space, or place, that too. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not in temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me, their loaves, lend me three loaves of bread, and a friend, <clears throat> a friend of mine on a journey has to come to me, and I have come to, to offer food to him. And suppose the inside answer, Don't bother me. The door is, is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up, and he will give you the bread because of a friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you needed. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Speak and you will find. 
Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Wow. Shameless audacity. That's kind of a, that's kind of a weird scripture about prayer. Don't you think the, well, have you guys ever been around a person that prays and it seems like it's working better than your prayers? Or has, they, they pray with a, a familiar, just being familiar with God and, and with Jesus. And you think, whoa. Or, or maybe it was, it's more intense. Or maybe it's, it's, there's just something different about it. I wonder if that's what the disciples were thinking in that moment. They were seeing Jesus pray in that place, and they were seeing him, but they, they had prayed like that they, since they were kids. They were fishermen, right? They probably prayed for fish, and they probably went to the synagogues, and, and they prayed, but something was different about the way Jesus was praying. Maybe there was something more to what Jesus was doing. Let me say this as simple as possible. Nothing is more important and more powerful than prayer. More important and more powerful than prayer. It's the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. It's the difference between the possible and the impossible. It's the difference between intimacy and ignorance. It's the difference between fear and faith. Between success and failure. It's the difference between to do the best we can or the best God can do. And there's some big differences in those. My guess is some of you are feeling like, okay, here we go. Here comes the... uh, the, the topic of prayer, and here comes the, 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 the sermon on prayer to make me feel guilty because I'm not praying enough. Or some of you could be like, you know what, I've, I, I'll give prayer another shot. Maybe, you know, this guy, he's up here talking about prayer. Maybe I'll give prayer another shot, but maybe it'll just be a, another false start for me. And some of you may be sitting in this room thinking, you know what, I, I don't buy into this prayer. I don't buy into this communication. I don't buy into this at all. But that's why the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach me how to pray. So let's get this out of the way because I know you're probably evaluating the person next to you and the person left and right, and you're like, well, I bet they don't pray very much. You know, I, I pray at least you know, for dinner and, and for my food and, and you know, pray for you know, someone in my family if they're sick. So I'm gonna ask you these questions, and so I want you to be bold, all right? I don't care what people sit next to you or, or, or what they're thinking. I need you to be bold and courageous. Are we gonna be bold and courageous? Yes. Yep. Wow, that was really bold and courageous. That was lots of boldness right there, I can tell you. All right, so you're going to raise your hand when I ask this question. How many of you feel like you've prayed too much? All right, my guess is a couple hands maybe went up, but, but I think anybody feels like they've prayed enough, I think we pray like we, we haven't prayed enough, right? 
Here's the next question. Is there anybody out there that feels like your prayers are too powerful? Hmm. So no one's feeling like, you know, no swing and a miss, you know? I'm a hundred, I'm a thousand percent. None of that. So I want to suggest that we can always pray more. We can always pray more powerfully. But I want to suggest there's some new dimensions to, of prayer. Maybe some that, as the disciples were asking Jesus, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for something where they were to where they were going. When you really love someone, you find new ways to say it, don't you? When I want to say, Kimberly, I love you, if I just keep on saying I love you the same way, but I want to find creative ways to do it, right? We just came off of Valentine's Day, and there's always new, interesting ways of, of you know, saying I love you and all kinds of chocolates and wrappings and cards and all that kind of stuff. We want to, we want to find new ways that we can love Jesus. I'm excited, I don't know if you guys, about prayer. It's something we don't talk about a lot, but it's something that is very powerful. And uh, we are, I, I want to approach this as that we're all learners, that no one has it all figured out. So don't, I don't want it to think that, hey, there's people in the room that have got this figured out. They have maybe figured out, but we're gonna, I'm going to ask you, to let's approach this as learners together. Can we do that? Okay. Let's say this together. I'm a coach at heart, so I'm, I'm going to get you guys to say this with me together. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. A little more conviction. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what I want our spirits to go around tonight. I want, I want us to understand and get our spirits wrapped around that tonight, is that God is going to teach us how to pray when we ask. From the start of this, when I started, started learning about prayer and learning about all this kind of stuff, and as I was prepping for this sermon, I had this one desire. My heart's desire has been this since we started Elements, is that we would be a praying church, that we would be a church that prays not just up here on Sundays or not when you're here on Sunday, a church made up of all people praying for each other, the community around us, the city, the city leaders, the wisdom that can be given to us, guidance, love, and against spiritual darkness and attacks. Not an event, but a constant conversation with God. This is a spiritual discipline that we need to walk through to learn as individuals, but we also need to learn corporately how we can pray for each other as a community. We're approaching this as learners, so this is, this is what we're about. It's our first our first thing is on prayer is getting our agenda together. Is that right? We need to get our agenda together and then we need to go pray? No. It's about getting God's agenda for us. So the first thing that I'm asking you to do is the first thing is praying about praying what God wants us to pray about. It's a first step. Some of us, some of us uh, think that we, 
It's the first thing off the top of our head. It's the first thing that just comes to mind. We just pray, and those are fine if you're having just a conversation and you're talking with God, but if you're really like Honey was in a circle and really focusing in on a prayer, the first step is, hey God, what, what do you want me to pray about? Ask God, what do you want me to pray about? I say, God, what scripture do you want me to read? What scripture do you want to root my prayer in? Some of you are thinking, well, I don't know what scripture to use. Google is an amazing thing. You can look up, it's pretty crazy, I did it. You can look up, hey, what are God's promises? What are God's promises that I can circle for my life? What, are, what can I circle and pray so that it's not I, I hope that I can do this or I wish that I can, but there's a promise in Scripture that I'm circling in prayer that I'm going to stake a claim and say, God, I'm here and I'm going to pray through it. It's not about your agenda for God. A lot of us pray that way. I've prayed that way. It's not about our agenda for God. It's about getting God's agenda from God. Again, Lord, teach us to pray, as the disciples said. Let's look at Luke 11.5. It's the meat of kind of the parable that he's talking about. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him in the middle of the night. Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on the journey has come to see me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, that he will not get up and give you the bread because of a friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you what you need. What an interesting picture of prayer. A parable of, I don't know about you, but um, I live 22nd in cold. I hear sirens all the time. I hear things like that, so that doesn't bother me. But there is one thing that would, that would get me my heart going if someone knocked on my door. Right? Anybody? That didn't even freak, freak anybody out? And it's just so interesting that that Jesus in, the, in, this, in this picture of prayer is saying, Jesus is essentially saying, there are times when you need to take desperate measures. It's late night and you, you, you don't want to go knock on someone's door, especially around here. You might hear a universal sign of get down. But he's asking you to knock on the door. And the peril saying is that be persistent. Be audacious. But Jesus is saying, knock on that door and keep knocking until you get what you want. What is he saying? I think he's saying that there are times when you need to pray and you need to take no for an answer. You don't take no. You're just like, you know what? I, I'm holding this. I'm knocking on the door. I don't know. I'm just reading the Bible. It says, shameless audacity. Here's what's interesting to me. I think sometimes we're afraid that our bold prayers will somehow offend God. 
The only thing that is offensive to God is anything less, like I said earlier. What do we do? We, as humans, pray for things that are barely out of our reach, that we could probably accomplish ourselves, and we say, hey, can you help me anyway? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that are way beyond our ability. Things like healing. You can't do that, but God can. Things like miracles. Things like God delivering on his promises. It's about praying and asking for those things with shameless audacity. There are times that you don't need to, you just need to do whatever it takes. You need to do something crazy or something risky or you need to do something different, asking for something bold. I love the Honey story. Let's be honest. If you're in a circle and you're standing there saying, I'm not going to leave this circle until rain comes, this could be weeks. This could be months. And you could look pretty foolish. But there are times when you need to back yourself into a corner, draw yourself a circle, call on God, and say, Jesus, I'm going to pray this, and I'm going to pray through it until I get an answer. It's shameless audacity. Let's make a couple observations about this passage. One, I know that this is not a selfish request. The guy that's coming to the neighbor that's knocking on the door and asking, he's not asking like he uh, forgot to go to the grocery store and he, you know, he was just coming over for some extra bread because he was in error. No, he was trying to, to go and get something. He had friends coming up, people, and he was trying to ask for help because he wanted to be a host. It w- it's like, a, well, I used to always pray for tests. And I don't know why I'd always pray for tests. If I would just studied and that was in my reach, then I think God would honor my prayers, but I didn't do due diligence in getting my stuff done. Does that make sense? That's not, that's, this isn't, a, um, he's not trying to, to do like a, a bailout. He's not doing a bailout prayer. He's saying, no, I, I, uh, I just, I need some help. I need some help, and I want, I'm asking, and is he persistent? Yeah, he asks, then he knocks, and he keeps on knocking, and then in the parable, the guy gets up and gives him what he wants. We all have those bailout prayers, don't we? I'm having them right now. I'm glad you laughed at that. In the original language, the phrase, because of your shameless audacity, carries with it the idea that God answers prayer to preserve his good name. Because of your shameless audacity carries with the idea that God answers prayer to preserve his name. It's not on your reputation that's on the line. It's his. When we pray bold prayers, it's about his reputation, not ours. 
It doesn't mean that sometimes when we, we aren't going to miss it, we're going to pray something selfish or we're going to pray something dumb. Have you ever done that? I've prayed some dumb things that if they'd been walked out and if God would have answered them, I would have been miserable. But at the end of the day, we are going to thank God as much for the things that he didn't answer as the ones he did. Can I get an amen or a yes in that? So let's be honest about that. I want to push you and stretch you a little bit. And there are times when we need to pray some bold prayers. A couple of prayers in my life that have meant a lot is um, in 2001, I left my youth ministry job just down the street here and uh, we left it with no plan. Boom. See ya. Scary as I'll get out. And when you're desperate, prayers seem so much more fruitful um, and so much more real than when everything is going well. Prayers going well, prayers of gratitude are, are great, but I was praying, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And I got a vision one, one day sitting in my car. It was like, okay, this is what you're doing. And, and I didn't get a full picture of it was until the next morning. I was in the shower. I don't know if you guys... It, I get visions from God in the shower. I don't know what it is or it's the hot water. It makes my brain work better. I, I don't know. But, but the, what the vision was was that we were going to put a, a community center, a faith center in Midtown Tucson. That was in 2001. We prayed that. We started a nonprofit. That's where I met Sean. Sean was a part of that. And we uh, met at the mall. We did some things, and we, we prayed, and we prayed, hey, let's, we're going to meet at Rincon High School. We're going to do that. We prayed. And um, so then it went kind of on the back burner. And then in 2004, I got hired at Pantana Christian Church, and, um, and I continued to pray, hey, God, we want to we wanna, we wanna launch a, a spiritual identity, a spiritual place to push back darkness in Midtown Tucson. We prayed that. There was 12 people at Pantano that met in a little room on uh, Sunday nights, and we prayed that, and we prayed that, and we prayed that. So here we are, 2016, and you guys are benefiting from the prayers of the people that have gone before you. Those weren't small prayers. Those weren't just like, hey, can I have ice cream tonight? <laughs> Those weren't prayers of, hey, I need to get an A on my exam. Those were prayers of changing God's kingdom here in Tucson. <clears throat> and you are now responsible, sitting in this chair, being here at Catalina High School, being a part of Element City Church, of those prayers that have come before us. Now it's your opportunity to pray some bold prayers, to pray some bold things in your life on how you're going to affect God's kingdom. Two thousand one to two thousand fifteen, I've thought many of these things. How embarrassing! If I pray big, bold prayers that seem somewhat impossible, that seem impossible, I, it's embarrassing if they don't happen. What if it doesn't happen? I'll look dumb. What if they're not in the will of God? What if I'm just praying these things because it's it's about me? 
When you pray big, bold prayers, you're putting it all on the line. You're going to look foolish if nothing happens. Look at Noah when he was building the ark. He got the last laugh, didn't he? I don't think he's laughing. It's got to be horrible. When you're praying in the will of God, it's not about your reputations at stake. It's not about that. It's about God's reputation. Why are, we, why are some of us so afraid to pray bold, shameless, audacious prayers? Because we think our reputations link to it. Write this down if you have something to write on. And this may sting a little. If you aren't willing to risk your own reputation, if you're not willing to risk your own reputation, you will never establish God's reputation. If you're unwilling to risk your reputation, you'll never establish God's reputation. Until you get to a point where you can say, I'm stepping out in faith. This is crazy. What am I doing? I've been there multiple times in my life, and I don't think I said those words. I think I said something much shorter, like, uh, uh. Until you get to the point that you never experience the kind of miracles that God likes. I'm just going to name a few. A prostitute who crashes a party at a Pharisee's house just to wash his feet. That's a little bold and awkward. A tax collector who climbs a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And they end up having lunch. Four friends that had a breaking and entering. And Lord, I swear it had to be breaking and entering, right? The dude came through the ceiling. It had to be breaking and entering, right? To heal their uh, paralytic friend. The woman who cuts in line. I just like people who cut in line. I really do. But she was like, I have a physical illness for 12 years and I am trusting in craziness that if I touches him, I will be healed. I find that Jesus honors people who are desperate for him. We gave, we gave you some prayer cards as you came in. I didn't grab one. They have a little circle on the front. It says Jesus in prayer. And then there's two circles on the back. We need to listen. We need to ask God what we need to circle in prayer. Those two circles in the back kind of show what, what you're going to pray for. I believe that all of us have at least one thing that we can put in each one of those circles. Some of you are like, things are going off in your head left and right. They're like, okay, I can pray for this, I can pray for that, I can pray for this, you know, this is what I'm going to circle. God wants us to pray for things. And he wants us to circle them and challenge him to make them happen. We need to seek him. I'm going to give you four simple things that, I need to, that I'm asking you to do to help you help Jesus teach you how to pray. This could be blasphemous, I guess. Not really. You need to set a time. Our, our culture, our time frame is, is, is basically set a time for prayer. 
what time, what time are you going to pray? I'm going to ask you to pray for two weeks, 14 days, and you can break down the hours if you need to. Two weeks, I'm going to ask you to pray. I want you to establish your own plan, what scripture you could use, what should I stop something so I can, so I can pray or so I can focus on it. Three, here's what's interesting. You can pray for deliverance. Actually, let's stop. Let's go back to two. Establish your own plan of scripture. If you, this isn't like all in, like I've got to figure all this out and I've got to be a master prayer in two, in two weeks. I want you to take a step. If you haven't talked to God in prayer, say hello. Do an Adele in the morning. Hello. It's me. Funny story last week. Um, we have some people in the church and uh, they're, they're new in their faith and she's um, just asking about prayer and we were at a dinner, and we were out standing in the parking lot after dinner, and she goes, is it weird that I, I told God to have a good day? I'm like, no, that's totally cool, because he wants to communicate with you. And so wherever you are, I want you to establish your own plan of finding a scripture that you're going to circle if it's, if it's getting out of depression, if it's, if it's whatever it is, God's going to lay it on your heart, because you're going to ask him to give it to you. There's other ways that you can do that. We have version. You know, that's the Bible on your phone. There's tons of plans. Six-day plans, two-day plans, one-day plan, year plans. Pick a plan. Get into the scripture and see what God does with you. And then pray through that. Here's interesting. This is the part. Is we can pray for deliverance. We can pray for revelation. We can pray for God's favor. We can pray for our family. We can, we can pray to dedicate something to the Lord. All of these are good prayers. Those are all good. So don't tell me that I'm not, I, I, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying praying is good. Bailout prayers, I pray them daily because I don't think most of the time. But what I'm asking you to do is a prayer to seek God. A prayer to seek God for his agenda for your life, for his agenda for your family, for his agenda for you in your spiritual walk. That's what this two weeks is about, is to find and knock and seek and knock until he gives you an answer. In Luke 11.10, it says this, for everyone who asks and receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Let me read it again. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Don't seek answers. Seek God and the answers will find you. Don't seek blessings. Seek God and the blessings will seek you and find you. It's about seeking the heart of God. It's seeking Jesus for all your worth. God will reveal himself to you. It's about getting into his presence and asking him, hey, how shall I pray? And stand there until you get an answer. Finally, you need to make a commitment. We talked about 
setting an agenda, setting a time, doing that for two weeks, and you need to make it a commitment. The problem is we, we enjoyed the message. I hope so. I hope it was challenging. But the, the bad thing is, is that we forget about it when we walk out the door. And sometimes we feel some conviction, and then the next thing we know, we're, we're catching scores on the way home or listening to talk radio. So we, we totally forget. So I'm challenging you to make a commitment to say, I'm in. For two weeks, I'm going, for whatever it's worth, going to ask God to teach me how to pray. And define what that means to you and let him work in you. It's about establishing a habit of prayer. Here's what I do believe. I promise you that if you engage this for the right reasons, just seeking the will of God, seeking the glory of God and the beauty of God and saying, I'm in, I want to see this, I promise you that you'll, you'll see God. You'll experience God. But the things that you pray might not be come to fruition in the first 14 days. It may not be in a month. It may be in a year or two years or three years. My wife, um, Kimberly, has prayed a, a prayer for her friend for 15 some years that he would come to know Jesus, that he would experience Jesus' power, that he would just give his life to him. About three years ago, she got to baptize him. She prayed with bold conviction because this guy was like a modern-day Saul. He made fun of Christians. He would blast you on Facebook. He would just make sure your life was just not so much fun. But the prayers of boldness, of audacity, the perseverance of that, God loves. So I'm going to tell you what I'm doing so that you know, so there's accountability. Um, I'm starting to circle this community around Catalina. And I'm believing that God is going to help us reach in a very powerful, greater way than we are reaching and imagining right now. What would it look like? I believe in my heart and in my soul that it, from Swan to Campbell, Speedway to Grant, there's tons of physical needs and tons of things that are going on in this community. What would it look like if we got down on our hands and knees and said, God, we want these people to know you. We want these people to be physically fit. Not fit, because I'm not physically fit. We want their physical needs met. And we want to be the people that do it. That's a bold prayer. So that's what I'm circling in prayer, is how can we affect the community around us in a way that only can be done by God. Not just outside of our reach and we ask for help, but how do we eliminate some form darkness or some issue that, that's in this area? How do we pray through that as a community? I'm excited. I'm excited what, what you're going to experience as you delve into 14 days of committing to pray or asking God to teach you how to pray. 
could be scary. It could be like, oh my gosh, what is, I don't know what I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I'm agreeing to, but I'm going to do it. And if you have any questions, we're, we're uh, Sandy and her team will be down and we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to give you some, some, some encouragement in that. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see where Element City Church, when we chase after the beauty of God and we chase after his power and his glory and we get to know him through prayer, it's unlimitless how he can use us. We're going to take communion. We have stations around the room, and we'd love for you to just take some time and just kind of sit in this a minute. Um, we take communion, and it's, it's, God's, it's representing of God's blood and his bread, his body, and we take those in remembrance of the death that he gave on us and the salvation that we get to live from. But I'm not done. I have one story. I want to close. This is a story that I'm going to tell you because I think this gives a picture of desperation and it's a challenge for us to pray like it depends on God. There's a guy, he never had a day in school in his life, but he lectured at Harvard. He grew up in a tent, but was invited two different, by two different presidents to come to the White House. His name was Gypsy Smith. About 100 years ago, he crossed the Atlantic 45 times on a boat. He preached to millions of people. He never preached without someone accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He was a powerfully used by God. One day, people came to Gypsy Smith and said, you have been a part of some major revivals all over. Would you teach us to experience revival the way that you've experienced revival. I love what he told them. He said, here's what you do. Go home, lock yourself in your bedroom, get on the floor with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, and then pray brokenly and fervently that God would send a revival within that circle. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with humility and expectations, believing that God, you're going to move in a fresh way in our hearts and our lives. Lord, fill us with a holy anticipation. Give us endurance that we need. Lord, sometimes when I pray, my mind wanders. Sometimes early in the morning, it's all I can do to stay awake. This is no easy thing we engage in. And Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. God, we would love, give us just holy discontent, holy desperation that we only can get from you so we can seek your face and seek your heart. Lord, that we would be people that truly would seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be set aside and that we would prioritize getting on our knees before the throne. Lord, teach us how to pray.